Tanisan and the Unfortunate Mr. Fugu Entirely dressed in black, Tanisan capered through the November night like a hyperactive ninja. The trouble was, she was so busy striking poses, practising her karate chops and fighting off imaginary assailants, that it took her ages to get from one end of Tanisan Plaza to the other, when there was actually no need for any of it. It would have been so much easier just to stroll into the lobby of Tanisan Industries and go about her business as normal. No one would have stopped her. She was the boss. But just for once, she thought, it would be more interesting to steal Captain Uihara's security pass when he wasn't looking and sneak in clandestinely, like a secret agent. Once past reception, she slipped into the executive elevator and hit the button for the top floor. Though unaffiliated to any intelligence agency, she was on a mission of sorts. You see, ever since she founded the company with Princess Otohime, it had gone from strength to strength, in spite of her best efforts to the contrary. As a result, it now stood at number seven in the Fortune 500 rankings, with an annual revenue of over 30 trillion yen. In short, things were going far too smoothly for Tanisan's liking. Purely for her own amusement, she shoulder-rolled her way out of the elevator and came up in the middle of the boardroom on one knee. Then, glancing from left to right, she made straight for the nearest computer terminal. The following morning, there was to be an important meeting with certain officials from the Seoul government. So to liven things up a bit, Tanisana decided to make a few last-minute adjustments to the presentation. To begin with, she altered the costings and construction schedule so that the new high-tech seafish processing plant that they were supposed to be collaborating on could now be purchased for the price of a small bottle of pickled ginger but would take 2,000 years to build. Just then, she happened to look up from the computer screen only to see that there was something amiss in one of the aquariums on the other side of the boardroom table. So she went over to take a look. Sad to say, Mr. Fugu, the executive blowfish, whose advice and opinions Tanisan had always held in the highest regard, largely because they were her opinions, had perished during the night and was floating on his side on the surface of the water. Tanisan lifted him out with the net provided and placed him on a desk pad. It was a very sad day for Tanisan Industries, she reflected. Not only had they lost one of their leading lights, but also a dear friend and a great delicacy to boot. But then it occurred to her that there was perhaps a way that he might collaborate with her one last time, albeit from beyond the grave. At ten o'clock the following morning, she was sat at the head of the board with senior executives along one side and Fish on the other. Yet there were two notable absences. The unfortunate Mr Fugu, for the reason I've just outlined, and Captain Uehara, who was running late. While waiting for the latter to arrive, Tanisan played with the remote control for the blinds, trying to catch them out by pressing the up and the down button at the same time. Meanwhile, the timid row of executives sat next to her in silence, afraid to move a muscle in case she accidentally fired one of them. Finally, and to their immense relief, the captain arrived. You're late! snapped Tanisan. Explain yourself. Yes, I'm sorry about that, said Uehara, as he clicked open his briefcase and removed several documents. I couldn't find my pass this morning. 
I've just had to spend the last 50 minutes filling in paperwork. Well, that's just not good enough, I'm afraid, chided Tanisan, having finally managed to jam the window blinds in a half-up, half-down position. As CEO, you're supposed to set an example. After all, it's the duty of every employee, no matter how much he may feel himself to be above the rules, to have his security pass to hand at all times, ready to whip it out at a moment's notice. To demonstrate, Tanisan flashed what she thought was her own pass, only to find that it was the captain's, so she stuffed it back into her pocket before anyone could see. Yes, well, as I say, said Uehara, who was too busy arranging his papers to notice, I apologise, it won't happen again. Now, can we get on, please? We have rather a lot to get through this morning. Not as much as you think, muttered Tanisan. What's that? asked the captain, looking up. Nothing, said Tanisan. Carry on. This last exchange left the captain with a rather uneasy feeling. Yet ever the professional, he put on his glasses and turned to the schedule in front of him. So, uh, just to clarify, he began, the Korean delegation will be touching down on the helipad at around 1.30, so I'll take the deputy trade minister into the executive lounge for lunch. After that, we'll reconvene here in the boardroom to... Oh, yes, I meant to tell you, cut in Tanisan with a casual wave of her hand. I cancelled all that. The captain looked up and removed his spectacles. You did what? he asked, an incredulous smile playing about his lips. I cancelled it, said Tanisan. Uehara blinked repeatedly. It was as if his mind simply couldn't accommodate the enormity of the thing. Surely not even she would do something that reckless and self-defeating. You cancelled a multi-million dollar contract, he echoed numbly. Tanisan gave a gleeful snort, unable to maintain the pretense any longer. No, of course not, she grinned. Just kidding. With a huge sigh of relief, Captain Uehara sank back into his chair. Thank God for that, he said, resting his hand on his heart. You had me going there for a moment. No, I just cancelled the meeting and told the Koreans to go home, she said. They cancelled the contract. What? Why? implored her long-suffering business partner, sitting bolt upright. Why, why, why? complained Tanisan. I've just told you why. The point I'm trying to make, if you'll let me, is that something more important has come up. I'm afraid to say I have some very sad news, gentlemen, she then announced. Last night, one of our closest colleagues passed away. One who, over the years, has contributed more to the success of this company than anyone around this table, which isn't saying much. I refer, of course, to the inestimable Mr Fugu. All at once, the various board members began looking around to see which one of them was missing. Yet, as far as they could tell, no one was. So it was only when Tanisan directed her mournful gaze at the empty fish tank that the penny finally dropped. Hold on a second, said the captain as the truth dawned on him. You don't mean the blowfish, surely? Well, how many Mr Fugus do you know that have attended every single board meeting for the last seven years, she asked. And patience like that should not go unacknowledged, which is why I'm planning to give him a proper send-off with all the trimmings. The captain was almost too afraid to ask what she meant by a proper send-off, let alone trimmings, though eventually he plucked up the courage to do so. Well, she said, counting off the items on her fingers, I've booked the funeral hall of the Zoenji Temple for the memorial service, organised the cremation ceremony and sent out the invitations. Invitations? Invitations to what? 
asked the captain. A post-crematorial pufferfish barbecue party? Who have you invited? Hmm, let me see, said Tanisan. All the major shareholders, of course. Key personnel from our affiliates. Representatives of Mitsubishi and Sumitomo Mitsui financial groups. One or two of the more presentable members of the imperial family. And the minister of certain things. Naturally, she added with some satisfaction, they've all confirmed. Oh my God, we have to cancel it, said Uehara, suddenly thrown into a panic. Tell them it was a mistake. No, 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 we can't do that. It'll make us look incompetent. Ideas, gentlemen, come on, he implored the various humdrum members of the board. This is what we pay you for. Only one of the little executives had the nerve to stick his head above the parapet. And so Tanisan made a mental note to deal with him at some future date. Well, he said, it seems to me that we're locked into this course of action now, uh, so the only thing to do is to see it through. Brilliant, said Uehara. You've cracked it. No, no, said the other. What I thought was, was if we could get someone to pretend to be Mr Fugu, just for the sake of the funeral, no one would be any the wiser. The captain looked up from behind his hands. That's not bad, actually, he said. Who did you have in mind? So then the sly little so-and-so shot a glance at the person to his left, an elderly gentleman whose position in the company said so-and-so had always wanted for himself. Well, uh, I thought that perhaps Mr Satsuki would like to help us out on this occasion, he suggested. I only say that because of all of us, he is the one who most closely matches the profile of the uh, deceased. Mr Satsuki, a gentle soul with a shock of white hair and moustache to match, just sat there smiling. You see, he and his wife had agreed that the main thing now as far as his career was concerned was to keep his head down, go along with what everybody else was doing and just coast along to retirement. But now here he was, just weeks away from that golden handshake, plunged into the very thick of things. Well, what do you say, Satsuki? asked the captain. Would you be willing to take one for the team? Obviously, we'd make it worth your while. Oh, uh, well the ineffectual Mr. S. Good, said Uehara. That's settled then. But of course it wasn't settled. Not in the least. There was still Tanisan to contend with, and she had no interest in going along with this deception. Or at least, that was what she wanted them to think. She had in fact anticipated that the board would try to implement some sort of a cover-up, because that's what they always did whenever anything went wrong. Yet by acting true to form, they had actually played into her hands on this occasion. That being the case, all she had to do was to put up a show of resistance before finally giving in to their request. Oh, very well, she said. I'll go along with it, but only on one condition. Anything, said the captain, so obviously desperate to get her on board. Name it. I compose the eulogy, said Tanisan, and you read it. Fine, said Uehara, greatly relieved. Nothing could be easier. And so, as per usual, he walked right into it. Come the day of the funeral, it was all hands on deck. Behind the scenes, the final preparations were still underway as the first of the illustrious guests arrived at the Zoenji Temple in their black limousines. So, you'll let me out as soon as the ceremony's over, said Mr Satsuki to the other two members of the board who were helping him into the coffin. Yeah, yeah, don't worry, said one of them, we'll let you out. So then they wheeled him through into the funeral hall, where several rows of chairs had been set out on either side of the casket for family members and VIPs. 
There were more seats in the main hall for other attendees, and an impressive display of over 2,000 white chrysanthemums had been set out behind the coffin with a large portrait of Mr Satsuki forming the centrepiece. After a while, the first of the guests began to file in and were directed to their seats by the lady ushers. Only one notable incident occurred during this initial phase of the proceedings. As a certain Mr Endo of Tokai Capital Investments was taking his seat on one side of the casket, he suddenly gave a yell and collapsed on the floor in a quivering heap. The reason for this only came to light later on, as he sat outside, refusing to be consoled by one of the lady ushers. I'm telling you, it moved, insisted the overwrought VP, who was still in shock. And when the dead start doing that, you've got a real problem on your hands. Even a nodding nitwit like you should be able to see that. There's not a moment to lose. We have to get that lid on. Nail it down if necessary. The problem was that the moustache of the so-called corpse, Mr Satsuki, had been specially trimmed for the event and was causing him some irritation. To begin with, he seemed to have it under control. Yet the longer he lay there with nothing else to think about, the more it became an issue. The occasional nostril twitch when he thought no one was looking helped in the short term. But then just as Tanisan was stepping up to the podium to deliver her opening address, he suddenly let fly with the most enormous sneeze, sending a ripple of alarm, if not horror, throughout the auditorium. Don't worry, she said, calmly unfolding a small piece of paper. They all do that. She then adjusted the microphone stand, which had been set up for someone of a more reasonable height. Please, 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 Uehara muttered to himself as he sat there on tenterhooks. Please don't say the magical princess of the sea. Tanisan gazed down at the speech she had written and cleared her throat. Ever since I founded this company with my old friend Otohime, she said, the magical princess of the sea, I've had the honour of working with some of the most talented individuals in business today. None more so than our dear departed colleague Fugu, who throughout the years has remained a constant friend and close personal adviser. Yet what I remember most about him are the intimate details. Who can forget the sight of him cracking open clamshells with his teeth, or the way that he could move each of his eyeballs independently, often providing a moment of light relief during a tense exchange in the boardroom? What the hell's she up to? muttered the captain, unaware that those around him could hear every word he said. She's going to give the whole game away if she's not careful. At any rate, continued Tanisan, it is a very sad day for anyone who knew him, fed him, changed his substrate or adjusted his hydrometer. So to show our respect, I shall now ask each of you to come up and place a small token of remembrance inside his casket. Often in a ceremony of this sort, mourners were given the opportunity to place a single white chrysanthemum inside the coffin. But on this occasion, Tanisan had dropped the flower motif in favour of aquarium ornaments. There were three types to choose from, the sunken galleon, the pirate treasure chest and the grinning skeleton complete with eye patch. When his turn came, Captain Uehara stepped up to the table and selected a skeleton before joining the line of people who were waiting to pay their respects. Just in front of him was the little executive who had first proposed the idea of substituting the man for the fish. 
I think we'll be very, very lucky if we actually get away with this. The captain whispered to him. People are bound to ask questions with all this silly nonsense going on. Here he waggled his plastic skeleton. Have you checked the speech? asked the other, meaning the eulogy, written by Tanisan that Uehara had agreed to read in return for her cooperation. The captain nodded and patted the pocket of his black jacket. I had a quick look at it and it seems all right. Fingers crossed, I think I can still prevent this from degenerating into a complete farce. Tanisan, on the other hand, was still quietly confident that an entirely farcical state of affairs could be achieved and that it would be the captain himself who exposed the cover-up. What is more, he would do so unequivocally and of his own free will. In the meantime, she was more than happy to stand by and watch poor Mr Satsuki slowly disappear beneath an ever-growing pile of fish tank ornaments. Afterwards, she stepped up to the coffin herself and emptied an entire bucketful of five-day-old mussels into it. Then she took a step back and bowed so deeply that it came across as a bit sarcastic. Very soon now, she thought, the last and by far the largest group of mourners would be arriving. As the putrid stench of rotting shellfish began to fill the hall, many of the attendees were obliged to cover their noses or to stifle gag reflexes. Nonetheless, they remained doggedly in their seats, for it was time for the captain to deliver his eulogy. And so, just as eager as everyone else to get it over with, he stepped up to the podium and took out his speech, the one that Tanisan had prepared for him, and then quietly swapped for another when he wasn't looking. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, he began, in the space of a few short years, Tanisan Industries has gone from strength to strength with almost supernatural speed. From its humble beginnings as a Misaki fishery, it has rapidly grown to incorporate a workforce of over 370,000 people, with subsidiaries all across the globe. Three patents have been issued for this year alone, with our new line of coral-based building materials providing affordable housing at zero construction cost, as the structure grows itself to the required specification. I only mention this, he said, because it's difficult to grasp when you look at these achievements that they are largely down to the vision of one individual. An individual who... It was at this point that the text began to diverge from the one that he thought he would be delivering that morning. Still, he knew that to stop there, slap-bang in the middle of a sentence, would seem strange. So in spite of his misgivings, he continued. An individual who has single-handedly, he stumbled on, um, silenced his critics thanks to his poisonous spines for which there is no known antidote and his, uh, his, his sheer business acumen. Here the captain paused, took a deep breath and then tried to get through the next part as quickly as he could so that he didn't have to think about what he was saying. If he did, his pride might intervene. I'm referring, of course, to our inestimable colleague whose sad demise we're here to... No, look, I'm sorry, I just can't say this, he suddenly announced. I'm the one who built this company, not Fugu. And I'm not saying that for egotistical reasons. It's a fact. You think that's Fugu over there? He asked the startled mourners, jerking a thumb at the casket behind him. You're wrong. I'll tell you who Fugu is, and it's not the poor sod stretched out in the wooden overcoat, quietly stinking. Fugu is a bloody pufferfish. And so there it was. Mission accomplished as far as Tanisan was concerned. To mark the moment, she stepped forward and put a conch shell to her lips, 
blowing a single sonorous note of rare and mournful beauty. At this, the double doors at the far end of the funeral hall burst open and a fabulous procession began to file in. Nothing less than a great caravan of aquariums dripping seaweed and brine, each of which was wheeled along by four cowled figures, two on each side. The faces of said figures were hidden from view by their saffron hoods, though they were clearly inhuman, since those parts of them that protruded from the sleeves and skirts of their vestments were not the usual hands and feet, but suckered tentacles. As each of the tanks trundled in through the entrance, it filed either to the left or to the right, knocking over any furniture that was in the way and forcing the human contingent into the corners of the room. All the latter could do in such a situation was to look upon that great glass cavalcade in awe, for every type of undersea creature was represented there. First, there came the general fish population, making up the lower echelons of the Imperial Palace, followed by the various branches of the armed forces, bobbit worms, hagfish, sharks, royal flying squid and so on. These were closely followed by the Grand Privy Council of Invertebrates, still viewed by Tanisan with great suspicion. Then the lobster lords, the jellyfish generals, the eel ambassadors and the dancing sea lilies, many of which were noticeably subdued. The last tank of all, and by far the grandest, was decorated in gold filigree and covered in a veil. Rather than filing to the left or the right, it travelled straight across the room to where Tanisan was waiting. Then two of the hooded bearers slithered forward and with the delicate tips of their tentacles twitched aside the gossamer veil to reveal Otohime herself, the magical princess of the sea, sat upon a burnished throne of red coral surrounded by her imperial piddocks and a vast retinue of plankton. At this point in the proceedings, Tanisan flipped over the portrait of Mr. Satsuki to show the real Mr. Fugu. She then retrieved his tiny casket, which she had fashioned herself from an old Amazon box, decorated with glitter and padded out with the softest tissue paper she could find. Cradling it gently in her hands, she stepped forward and presented it to the funeral cortege, whereupon each and every one of the attendant sea creatures bowed in respect, even those without necks as such. The furless land mammals huddled on the periphery, were completely overwhelmed. Like most humans, I suppose, they'd always seen themselves as being at the centre of things. But with this fishy turn-up for the books, they'd been pushed to the sidelines and didn't know what to do or where to put themselves. Call it a lesson in perspective. What on earth's going on here, Uehara? barked the irascible Mr Coda, principal private secretary to the Minister of Certain Things. What is this? Some sort of circus act? Uh, I don't know, stammered the captain. I really don't. Just then, though, he happened to notice that Mr Satsuki's casket was not where it should be. Or indeed, anywhere to be seen. He could only assume that someone had come along and moved it while everyone else was distracted by, well, whatever all this was. It was only when he glanced out of the window that he saw four men lifting it into the back of the long black hearse that would convey it to the crematorium. With the lid of the coffin firmly attached, the pallbearers could not hear Mr Satsuki's heartfelt, if unfailingly polite, objections coming from within. 
And to make matters worse, they were being chivied along by Mr Endo of Tokai Capital Investments, who was still unduly concerned about a possible Night of the Living Dead scenario. Oh my God! exclaimed the captain, turning to a couple of his fellow executives who had also spotted this. Well, don't just stand there with your mouths hanging open. Get after them!